Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Jason Lipschutz, Billboard's Senior Director of Music. What up, J-Dog? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. It's been an exciting couple weeks in music. It has. It has been. (laughs) It has been. Um, And we're going to talk about that in just a hot second, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift. It's kind of a varied show. Uh, She dominates both the Billboard 200 Albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart thanks to her new album, Folklore. And we've got all the details coming up in just a moment. Plus, we've got my interview with Alessia Cara, who checked in uh, to talk a little bit about quarantine cooking, uh, how the pandemic has affected her songwriting and her recent EP this summer live off the floor. Uh, And what's next? uh, What's next to come from the Best New Artist Grammy winner? Uh, So stay tuned for that later in the show. But first... Keith. Yes. Before we get started. What comes first, Jason? This is important. What comes first? If you, Keith, enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you never miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. That is plural. Yeah. If you I want you should go to billboard.com slash podcasts. That is plural. Just you spell that whole entire phrase out. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the chart chat. Uh, first up, uh, it's all about Taylor Swift this week, as the superstar rules both the Billboard 200 Albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. Her surprise album, Folklore, debuts at number one on the Billboard 200, while its single, Cardigan, cozies up with a debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. In turn, she becomes the first act ever to debut atop both charts in the same week. That's pretty crazy. Uh, Folklore starts with 100, 146, just 100, 800, 846,000 equivalent album units earned in the United States in the week ending July 30th, according to Nielsen Music MRC data, of course. That marks the largest week registered for any album this year and the biggest since uh, Taylor Swift's own last album, Lover, which debuted at number one on the September 7th 2019 dated chart with 867,000 units. Not really all that much more than Folklore, really. Uh, Folklore marks Swift's seventh number one album on the Billboard 200, tying her with Janet Jackson for the third most number ones among women. Ahead of them are only Barbara Streisand with 11 and Madonna with nine. Meanwhile, meanwhile, over on the Hot 100 Songs chart, the Folklore single Cardigan comes charging in at number one, or maybe knits its way to number one. <laughs> sure. 
Um, plus two more Folklore songs also debut in the top ten as The One and Exile debut at numbers four and six, respectively. Actually, there's a whole slew of Taylor Swift songs all over the chart this week. In fact, what we're saying right now is just the tip of the Taylor Swift chart iceberg. Uh, between Gary Trust and I and Kevin Rutherford and a whole bunch of other people, there are about 45 different stories about all the different chart statistics that Taylor Swift uh, achieves this week in the Billboard chart history books. So I'm merely only mentioning a couple highlights. The whole kit and caboodle is online at billboard.com. This is not a seven-hour podcast, unfortunately, so can't really tell you every single one of them. All that said, Cardigan starts with 34 million U.S. streams and 71,000 copies sold in the week ending July 30th, while it also drew 12.7 million in all format radio audience in the week ending August 2nd. Cardigan marks Swift's sixth number one on the Hot 100 Songs chart. You know, it's interesting in, in terms of this strategy. The, the folklore started with 846,000 equivalent album units. I'm I'm happy to say that I was very wrong about how high this this album was going to soar. I thought it was going to be just because, you know, it's a surprise release, way less emphasis on, you know, how to actually buy the albums in in terms of not having physical copies available. I thought it was going to be, you know, a couple hundred thousand equivalent album units short of Lover um, and that 867,000 unit mark. Meanwhile, it it almost reached it, it almost surpassed it. It, it. it came within spitting distance of it. I think honestly, part of it is is just about the timing with everyone kind of focused on new music and just being still stuck at home and and also just a lot of interest in, in this album as as kind of a change up for Taylor Swift. Obviously Taylor Swift's a huge superstar. The reviews of this album have been very, very positive. I think it's a great album and I think that it's it's exactly kind of what not only Taylor Swift fans wanted without knowing that they wanted it, but also just kind of the general population was a lot more curious about this album. I have friends who just don't really like Taylor Swift and really like this album. And I think that that's part of the success. How did you convince them to listen to the album? Did you just well, like, did you say like, hey, uh, I've got an MP3 download. Just don't look at any of the titles and don't <laughs> an Google MP3 it. Download. Just, just listen wow. to it. Wow. Uh, no, honestly, it's it's friends who are into like the national and Bon Iver and we're just like, you know, heard that Aaron Dessner did a lot of this album, heard who that is, Bon Iver who is, who does it. Who is the guy from the national, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think that this kind of brought in, even if they didn't love it, they at least were curious enough to, to kind of poke around this album. And then the songwriting is so top notch that you know, it, it brought in this whole new audience for her. I think, I think that's really the, the key to its success is that, yeah, let me, let me put it this way. If this album sounded like Lover Part 2, I don't think it does as well as it did. If, the, oh, if the album was like more of a traditional straight ahead, like glossy yeah. pop album. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that the change up was really smart and well-timed and, and brought in new listeners what she did do you think that it only really worked because this was a very situational sort of thing because it was specific to a new sonic direction it was a surprise it was a left turn for her and also we're in the middle of like a lockdown so it's a lot harder to do a traditional rollout so it was just like all these things kind of added up to like the perfect storm basically exactly yeah and that that's a perfect way to put it because i i think that if this album 
This album also, this exact same album, if you had that traditional like three month lead up to it, I don't think it, it has a huge, uh, as huge of a first week as it does. I think that everything kind of coalesced into this perfect storm of, of interest from general Taylor Swift fans, but also just listeners who were curious about it and, and curious to hear what she had in store this time. Um, Keith, I'm curious about this. She has two album of the year Grammys right now. One for Fearless, one for 1989, of course. Her last two albums do not get nominated for album of the year, Reputation and Lover. What do you think? Uh, folklore? I mean, it, it seems like I'd be really surprised if this doesn't at least get nominated, right? Um, I think the timing is right, considering that the end of August is the end of the eligibility period. So the timing is really right for it to be front of mind. Yep. And the fact that she is kind of taking a chance and doing something that is unexpected and almost in a way harkens back to her specific singer-songwriter country roots in, 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 in a certain capacity. I think that will resonate, and I think maybe there will be some folks from the world of maybe alternative you know, in rock and, and that kind of Bon Iver National vibe where they may kind of take a second look at Taylor in a different way. So that could help her as well. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if this does get a nomination. It also helps that, you know, the, the field itself is just a wider field that you can have more nominations instead of just the five that you used to have a number of years ago. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, look at, you know, who got nominated for Album of the Year last year? Bon Iver. So, you know what? That's right. With the with their the power of their forces combined, um, you know. It's like the Wonder Twins. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Keith. Uh, we got to get to uh, my interview with Alessia Cara. It, w- it was really great kind of catching up with Alessia. This was a couple, maybe one or two weeks ago. Um, we talked about a few different things, including what she's been up to during quarantine, as well as um, this summer live off the floor, which is an EP. She, she put out an EP that I really loved last year called This Summer. And this was kind of a... Uh, kind of a, a really playful like in-studio live versions of all six songs from this summer um, and the the cool thing about it is also and she talks about it in this interview she's uh, donating her share of the net royalties of, of this project to save the children for the next 21 years really cool to catch up with Alessia and take a listen to my interview with her Alessia, it is very good to catch up with you. Um, we are doing this for the Pop Shop Podcast on Billboard, so thank you so much for for hopping on the Pop Shop Podcast as always. Um, thank you. How how are you doing? How it, I, I kind of every time I talk to an artist, I just kind of want to check in and, and see how their last couple months have been during this insane time. Yeah, it's been definitely insane to say the least. Um, it's been good though. I feel like I'm getting into a groove where I have like developed some sort of routine in my day, um, which I don't typically have because, you know, being a touring artist, I'm like in a new place every day, doing a different thing every day. So it's been nice um, to, you know, spend time with family and stuff, but it also kind of drives you nuts at times when you're so used to being everywhere and now you're like nowhere. Um, But it's been good. I can't complain. Yeah, you because uh, I, I was wondering because you toured, especially over the past three years or so, you toured a ton. And mm-hmm. What is, uh, do you miss it? Uh, like how, how have the past few months been just in terms of like the first month 
being stuck at home versus now in kind of month four or five? Um, I think, yeah, the first couple months were definitely the hardest because I was coming off of tour for like a straight year. And then it was like from that to like a complete 180, just doing nothing at all, which is really tough. Um, and also, I mean, the, the state of the world is also like kind of a mess. So it was definitely overwhelming to see everything. I think it was the first time that I've ever experienced like the world go through something collectively at the same time that was like that intense. So you definitely felt that energy. And I feel like now hopefully things are getting back into a good um, place. So it feels a little lighter and I'm getting used to being home. But I feel like the second I'm going to get like really used to it, I'm going to have to like start working as normal again. It's going <laughs> to like that always happens. It's like the second you get used to something, you start up again. But um, again, they like, can't complain. It's been it's been good. Have you developed any new hobbies or tried your hand at any new activities while, while being stuck at home? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've been uh, cooking a lot more than usual, which is really good because I never typically have time to cook. So not the greatest yet, but I'm getting there. Made some a few things that, that I really like. Um, what's, what your, what's, your, what's been your go-to dish? What's been your like crowning achievement? Um, well, now that it's summertime, I like to barbecue a lot. So I do like all kinds of like barbecue chicken and steak. I just made like a flank steak yesterday with like pesto sauce. It was actually really good. And uh, what else? Lots of fish. I'm trying to eat healthier than normal. Um, so like lots of fish and like grilled stuff, vegetables, all that. That's been like the go-to for the last few months. Well, awesome. I, I, I definitely wanted to catch up because I, I really loved the new release. I loved what you did to these existing songs and you know i've been listening to it over the past couple of days I, w I wanted to just ask where this idea came from to kind of develop this new take on these existing songs of yours yeah so um initially it was going to be just like an acoustic ep like just guitar and vocal which is what i usually do um with a lot of my songs i kind of you know typically give my fans like an acoustic version and so um, my manager, Chris, brought up doing that for the entire project instead of a few songs this time. And then so I got with um, on the phone with my friend, John Levine, who produced the entire EP. And he was like, well, why don't we do like an even bigger, cooler thing where we do it like all live, like off the floor with like a bunch of musicians and make it like a cool thing. And I was like, yeah, like, let's do it. It sounded so awesome. And I'd never done anything like that. And uh, I mean, that's how I love to listen to music. I love recording music that way, like, you know, raw as raw as possible and so this was like the perfect thing and I'm so glad we did it because it just brought like a whole new life into like I don't know to, to the songs that were typically like originally very like confident straightforward songs and now they're like I feel like hearing them this way just makes them a lot more um, nostalgic and like cathartic in a way I don't know it feels it feels a little bit more emotional than they do on the, the original record yeah I love just like the orchestral arrangements and and hearing these kind of string sections and all of these different kind of approaches that I've never heard on one of your records before. What was that like to kind of incorporate just wildly different arrangements? It was so cool. It was amazing. Like I, I'm such a music fan before anything. And I love, I love like jazz music. I love, you know, older music. I love anything with strings. I feel like if you put strings on anything, it sounds gorgeous. <laughs> um, and so getting to do that was so awesome. And we did a really cool thing in the beginning, which was also John's idea. I can't take credit, but he somehow managed to like incorporate like um, Summertime by Gershwin into the intro of Ready, which is the first thing you hear off the top. And it's like so gorgeous. And I feel like even just the song Summertime into this summer, it was perfect. And um, it just sounds so wonderful. And I'm just glad we got to experiment with, with these songs, you know, it sounds really cool.
That's awesome. What what kind of music have you been gravitating toward uh, in quarantine? Just listening on a like a week to week basis. Uh, a little bit of everything. I feel like now that it's summer, I'm, I'm more into like up tempo stuff, things that make me feel good. But um, because it's been such a like introspective few months, definitely a lot of like singer songwritery ballads, um, things that always make me think a lot. I love all that stuff. I love all of that like you know consuming sadness is my favorite so a lot of that always that's always going to be present in my life are you a are you like a big karaoke fan because that's kind of what it makes me think of to do like the big like power ballad and, and you know, <laughs> being in that's what I really miss honestly about about all this is like being in a room full of people singing our, our lungs out to, are, are you a are you a karaoke enthusiast I definitely am. Yeah, I love all that stuff, especially with my friends. I feel like there's there's something so fun about being with your friends, like you said, and just like singing so loud. It's my favorite thing. Um, but again, can't really do that because of the circumstance. So it's definitely been like a lot of solo karaoke sessions in my in my place. Thankfully, no noise complaints yet, but <laughs> pending. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, what have, what have, uh, what's been the reaction from fans of yours over the past couple of days of, of having this new project out? It's been great. I always get so nervous about what they're going to think about this stuff, um, just because I know they're so adamant about like me writing new things. So I was worried about giving them like the same songs and just hoping that they, they take it as something new and enjoy it. But they, they love it so far from what I've seen anyway. Um, they've been like so supportive and like, I don't know, their comments are always make me really, really happy. And I'm glad that they are like connecting with this um, the way that I hoped. Yeah, I guess it can, it can go one of two ways to your point. Like you can, you have the excitement around the new project, but also I'm sure you get a million questions of like, this is great, but new song, where, where yeah. what's going on, Alessia, what's, what's happening? Do you, do you get that on the regular? All the time, yeah. It's so funny, like even when I perform the same songs on tour, like they get upset, they're like, okay, can we switch this out? Like, can we put something new in there? I'm like, oh my God, it's so funny. Like, I'll release something and then the next day they're like, okay, cool, we love it. Like, what's next? I'm like, I just released something. So I was I was worried about that. And of course I get that. And that's just the dynamic we have. Like, they like to tease me and it's funny. So I don't I don't take it to heart, but yeah, they always are wanting new stuff. So I was worried that they were gonna be like, we don't care about this, but they've all been really supportive. And I think because there's the charitable aspect, everybody's really on board, which is really nice. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about that. How did that come about? And, and how early was that decision made? Um, and, I, and for those who, who aren't aware, of, uh, you're donating um, proceeds to, I believe, Save the Children? Yes, yeah, all of my personal proceeds uh, are going to Save the Children. Um, and that was a decision I made pretty early on. Well, I knew that I wanted it to have some sort of charitable aspect, but I think as we got closer to the release date um, or the period of time that I was planning on releasing it, you know, as you know, the whole world sort of flipped upside down. And not only were we seeing this whole like COVID-19 pandemic happening, but we we're also seeing movements um, in terms of racial injustice and, and all these things were being uncovered about the way that the world operates. Um, things that I was discovering that I had no idea were going on, like the famine and war in Yemen and the mistreatment of indigenous communities in my own country, um, which was really eye-opening because I didn't realize how uh, grave the situation was. But um, so yeah, I, I as the world started progressing and things were being uncovered, I wanted to like find a charity that would help out all those little um, 
pockets of, of issues in hopes to to fix them and in hopes to be as progressive as possible and save the children is great with that because they have so many emergency funds for those specific communities across 117 countries which is great and i feel like getting to the root of the situation which is children is going to be so beneficial um, for our future because those are the future leaders you know and so it's important to make sure that those kids are protected and rightfully equipped to um, be the, the future leaders and hold the torch that you know us adults are holding now yeah no i think that's that's really admirable and you know i i was curious I've, I've talked to a couple international artists um over you know the past couple months and obviously it's been a wild year in in the u.s what it what has it been like from from your perspective just looking at everything kind of going on and you know we're leading up to the this election here and there's you know there's new developments in in u.s cities every day like what has what has how has it affected you and and what has it been like watching this from afar you know what it's uh I mean, at first it felt very much from afar, but admittedly, like after doing a lot of research, you realize that while Canada is, I think, ahead in a lot of ways, and we are, I, I love being from here, and I, I feel like in many ways it is watching from afar. There are so many aspects that are not too far off. Um, like I said, with our mistreatment of Indigenous communities and police brutality here exists as well. So it's not so much from the outside or as much as I, as, as I thought it was. Um, and it just... I feel like these last few months have just really uncovered the reality of the way that the world operates. And I feel like it was always like a thing that we all sort of knew, but um, it was never really spoken about as much. I feel like people are ashamed and we try to uncover our, our or we try to cover our history. Um, but it's so important to not do that. And so as a person in the public eye, it's been not only really eye-opening, but really great to be able to reach out to fans and educate people on what's going on at the same time you know, as I'm educating myself, um, I feel like there's like a responsibility that I have to a certain degree to um, uncover these things because we can't not talk about it, you know, um, and we have to, at a certain point, face it and recognize it. And that's the only way that we can change it. So I hope that I'm, I'm doing that. And yeah, it's been crazy, though. It's, it's really tough and overwhelming, but um, I'm lucky enough that I get to speak from a place of privilege. Um, so it's, it's not nearly as overwhelming as it has been for people who've lived this reality for countless years. Yeah. No, I think that, I think it's, it's really well said. And, you know, the, the last thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, it's, it's also been interesting talking to artists about how this period, <laughs> this, this very unique year has, will, has inspired and will inspire new art. Have you been um, writing and reflecting on what's going on in terms of your upcoming music or, not to be one of those those hyper fans to be like, where's the new music? <laughs> Have you been inspired uh, about what's going on, or or maybe you're you're writing about about things that are totally removed from what's going on? I'm curious how how your artistic process works in that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, this all this stuff has been so at the forefront that it's almost impossible to not incorporate it in some way into my music. So it's definitely there. Um, I mean, all I have is my own perspective, really. So uh, I'm writing definitely from an introspective place, but all of that stuff is definitely um, making an impact on the way that I write or what I write about, but also just the way that I write. You know, it's just been a really reflective year so far. So it's, it's like I said, almost impossible to not, um, you know, talk about those things in some way. Absolutely. Um, Alessia, I loved when this, the, this summer EP came out, I, I loved it and I, I have listened to it and returned to it often. I, I 
it's really cool to hear this new this new take on the song. So uh, so congrats on the project, and I can't wait to hear what's next. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. I appreciate it so much. I'm glad you you like it, and hopefully you'll like all the the new stuff when it does come out. I'm gonna be one of those hyper fans, just being like, all right, this is cool. <laughs> like clock is ticking. Yeah, exactly. Like the Judge Judy meme. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna miss it when it's over. I hope we never see October. All right, thanks again to Alessi Cara, uh, who's really great, who's always great. And um, check out This Summer Live Off the Floor. It's a really cool EP. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. You have to believe we are magic. Nothing can stand in our way. 40 years ago this week, Olivia Newton-John worked her magic on the Hot 100 chart as her single magic top to the tally uh, you didn't see this because this isn't a visual show but jason actually chuckled on the other end of this call now he's laughing again uh the song rose from number two to number one on the august 2nd 1980 dated chart and spent four weeks at number one it was the fourth of five number ones for newton john who had previously topped the chart with i honestly love you have you never been mellow and You're the One That I Want, of course, from the film Grease with John Travolta. Newton-John would uh, hit number one once more after Magic with the single Physical in 1981. Jason is vigorously nodding his head up and down. Uh, Physical spent an epic 10 weeks atop the list and would later be crowned by Billboard as the biggest Hot 100 hit of the 1980s. Now, Magic was lifted from the film soundtrack to the musical film, uh, obviously musical film, I just said film soundtrack, Xanadu, in which uh, Newton-John starred. Now, while the movie wasn't exactly a huge box office blockbuster, its soundtrack was quite the success. It spun off six singles, and all six of them reached the top 20 on the Hot 100, with Magic, of course, climbing all the way to the top. So there you have it. This week in 1980, Olivia Newton-John ruled the Hot 100 with magic. Hey, we reached the end of our big shoe. Uh, any parting words, Jason? Um, I got nothing. Thanks again to Alessi Cara. Yeah. And uh, let's go out on a physical by Olivia Newton-John. Uh, all right. See you guys next time. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.